0: Hello everyone and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about SEO and uh, I'm so excited to discuss this topic with uh, Michel Fortin. Am I right to pronounce your name? You got it. Yes. Thank you. Oh, cool. Cool. You know, it's the first time. (laughs) I usually can't do it from the first attempt. But, uh, you know, because uh, when... um, I'm looking for uh, new experts. Uh, I usually uh, check out how to pronounce names uh, by using Google Translate. You know, I just uh, type the name and uh, uh, try to find uh, the best uh, uh, way of pronunciation. Because, for example, uh, in your way, I found that uh, it's like French name more than. It is French. It is French. Okay, Okay, got it. Okay. Uh, before we start, introduce a little bit
1: about yourself, your background, and why you decided to take this topic, as you Sure, sure. So uh, my name is, you know, my, I call myself Michael Fortin, which is Michael mm-hmm. as a as a nickname, but my real name is Michelle, which is French Canadian. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this. I've been a digital marketer since uh, 1992. I created my first website in 1992, and uh, I've been uh, in and out of SEO. I've done copywriting. I've done marketing online. I've done affiliate marketing, and I've spoken on many, many stages around the on around the world. Uh, I've worked with a lot of clients, and also I've was uh, instrumental in generating a lot of record breaking sales online uh, back in the day when you know. Before SEO was SEO, or not not SEO, but before, let's say, for example, YouTube, uh, we did uh, a YouTube uh, sales letter where it was before it became uh, popular. So, all that being said, uh, I've grown to the point where now I've joined an agency. I'm now director of search at a marketing agency, and I lead a team of about, uh, well, we are total about 50 people, but my team is about 15 where I uh, manage the PPC and the SEO team and the content team together. Uh, and uh, so here I am. And for the topic specifically, and I, you you asked me about why I chose the topic of SEO. Well, you know, the thing is for SEO specifically for me is is kind of like matching something that I've learned a long, long time ago. And I'll, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but this is important for me. Uh, I was primarily, when I first come in, came into this business, as a copywriter. And in copywriting, the best lesson I've ever found was something that was taught to me by a friend of mine called David Garfinkel. And he said, copywriting comes down to three answering three questions. Who is your market? What, are, what is their problem? And how do they talk about it? And I realized when I moved to SEO, it's the same thing. Like that's exactly what we do. We want to find out who is our market, what we know, the keywords, the searches that they find, and also the the way we answer those keywords by giving them great content is SEO in a nutshell. So it's it's very very much the same thing.
0: Yeah, you know, impressive, impressive. From
1: 1992, you
0: know, I I I remember uh, I. The first time when I used internet, that was uh, 2000, so something like this. Yeah,
1: the impressive. The video sales that I was mentioning to you earlier was in 2004. And I, I, I said YouTube, but I actually misspoke. YouTube really came out in 2005. Uh, mm-hmm. But we actually had videos that we compressed several times in order to make it a sales that uh, are uh, online. And we drove traffic through affiliate marketing. Uh, and that was the very first letter that made a million dollars in one day online uh, for, for an online trading course, of course. Um, and uh, that kind of made my name in the business. I became more of a speaker. I guest expert on many, mm-hmm. many podcasts. But I always loved SEO because I love the concept of giving people what they what they're searching for and and it's kind of the same idea right copywriting is kind of getting people to uh buy into or at least to get the content that they want to look for seo is no different
0: yeah you mentioned about copywriting uh i think it's uh, the main issue with uh, many of my clients uh even my audience uh, asked me how to find the right copywriter uh especially in the era of it when we have this expertise, authority, trust. And uh, for example, I remember 10 years ago, I had a team of copywriters. They wrote about everything. Uh, They just uh, submitted content and uh, it worked perfectly fine. Today, I have no any copywriter, just an editor who can uh, edit uh, text. And even, you know, uh, a few days ago, I ordered uh, text. uh, I don't remember exactly. uh, My team ordered this text. uh, probably upwork and it's interesting the um, uh, the topic was about bitcoin and uh, the first sentence was the bitcoin maximum price is uh twenty thousand in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> i replied what was that <laughs> who wrote this text you know it's only rewriting some old content okay tell your insights how to fight responsible copywriters
1: yeah, I know the thing with copywriting, though, is we try to find the proper way to say a message that would that would be understood in the right way. Uh, there's something that, you know, I used to teach also uh, marketing and e-commerce uh, and web design at a, a local college here in, uh, in Ottawa, Canada. And what, one of the things that we talked about is... Uh, when we put uh, a message together, we have to encode, we have to find the right words. We have to encode the message, in the hopes that it'll be decoded by the market in the way we hope you know that we want them to decode it. Copywriting is is exactly that. It's finding not it's not about finding or putting something into a message. It's to encode, meaning find the right words, the right way to pr- to express that message, in the way that hopefully it'll be understood and decoded and appreciated. Uh, by the market and also, you know, taking action on. Well, guess what? SEO is the same thing. We look at keywords and we, we kind of, you know, optimize our content based on keywords. But you know what? Keywords are not going to tell the whole story. There's context. There's intent. There is topics and topical uh, uh clusters uh, around a particular uh, idea that we want to express in in content like for example i can write a piece of content that will match a keyword but it's, if it's not what people are looking for or it's not going to satisfy what they're searching for it's it's you know it's not necessarily going to do a good job and and a lot of people think that seo is uh you know uh, uh matching keywords to content or even sometimes we look at, at at the technical side of seo which is actually what real seo is if you look at for example if you go to google page feed insights or at least uh, lighthouse you'll see that seo which is given by google is really a score based on how findable crawlable and indexable you are and that's about it just to make sure that your site is findable crawlable indexable Your, you know, your SEO from the old, you know, the old school SEO is is great. But what about matching the content to the user's intent, making sure that the user also gets the proper uh, uh, signals? For example, we talk about nowadays the quality of, of content with EAT and expertise, authoritativeness and trustworthiness. And else, you know, putting a, a message down on a piece of, well, you know, piece of, of paper in this case, on mm-hmm. a on a web page, that will match that intent is is it's beyond SEO. I, that's why I kind of like I I don't I'm not a really a big fan of calling SEO SEO because there's a lot of people fighting, for example, in on Twitter the SEO, where a lot of the technical people, you know, you've got the 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 very you know, the patent uh, focused people, the, the, the technical side of how web, you know, Google crawls websites and, 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 and retrieves information. I get that. And so, for me personally, SEO is more than that. It's more about, you know, it's the content quality, matching the user experience. And when they land on the page, making sure that they, get, they have a great experience in consuming that content. So that's why I kind of like using the word, I, I, you know, it's something that I actually found online. It's not me that, that, that uh, I didn't come up with this, but it's something that I've, I actually saw Pedro Diaz who uh, mentioned this. And Kevin Indig talks about this a lot, um, very well-known SEOs. They call it search experience optimization. I love that because really it's a combination of SEO, UX, content, and CRO, which is conversion rate optimization, which is the same thing as copywriting because it's all about conversions. So, anyways, I, I'm I'm yammering, but that's really what I think SEO really comes down to nowadays. It's not the SEO of what we used to, you know, what, what we used to know before.
0: Yeah, you know, when I check out your profile, I found another. <laughs> Quote search satisfaction factors. Yeah,
1: yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's great because uh, I think it was actually um, uh, Izzy Smith, Izzy Smith from the, the UK. She did a presentation once and she shared her slides, and she said something that struck with me ever since. It says she said she called it uh, "serp to satisfaction process." The, the search serp to satisfaction to make sure that the content we deliver satisfies the search, not just. The query, which is keywords, mm-hmm. but the intent and the purpose behind it. No, it's not just about giving people what they want, but why they want it and how they're going to use that content, or how they're going to use the information they find. Uh, and so, understanding the, the 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 persona behind the content, uh, understanding or the the person reading the content. I mean, understanding what they're going to use, you know, how they're going to use that content. What's, it, what's going to be, you know, meaningful for uh, the buyer's journey on the website. Things like, for example, the navigation, the, 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 the funnel, we, you know, we talk a lot about funnels, but it's mm-hmm. really under, uh, important because that, that relates to search intent, you know, com, you know, informational, and commercial investigation and, tra- you know, transactional and of course, navigational. So all of that to say It's important to understand when we create content or any kind of content, it's not about keywords or even about, uh, um, you know, UX is important, but it's all of those things. It's kind of like a holistic approach, making sure that people get a great experience in finding the content, consuming that content, and then using that content.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about keywords. Uh, For example, when uh, users... uh... Type any keywords in Google. Google uh, needs to recognize that our content uh, is related to these keywords. Even for example, uh, Brian Dean shares that you need to use keywords in the title, in the intro, a few times in the text. Um, uh, perhaps um, I don't know. Uh, it works today or not? Google can recognize uh, such content. Uh, of course, it's better to write for a human first. Yeah, and forget about search engines. But uh, uh, that means we don't need to use any keywords or, uh, add them in the right place. Share your insights.
1: Well, do we need to, we, we don't use any keywords with that? That's kind of a, of the wrong way to look at it. It's kind of like saying, uh, now that we have electric cars, do we not need fuel anymore? I mean, the thing is, <laughs> we, keywords are great for research. They're mm-hmm. great to start the process of getting to understand the intent behind it. And of course, if we create content, for example, if I write content that is going to match a particular query, that, that's going to give somebody who's looking for this, the answers to a problem, uh, there's a really great uh, uh, um, topic that I found online. I think it was come, uh, from a company that's does, that's doing SEO, what they call it. Pain point SEO. I love that. It's like actually finding the pain points, whether it's keywords, whether it's it's the way specifically that people search for a, a problem and how to solve that problem. And then you write content around solving that, whether it's, a solve, it's answering a question or solving a problem. You are then writing content naturally around the keywords it could be variations of the keywords it could be uh different l- related topics maybe subtopics um you know there's a whole that the whole field of semantic seo is fascinating to me and i love that because it really you know it goes beyond just a keyword it's under, understanding the meaning and the intent behind the keyword uh we can we can include keywords and in content on purpose if we want to uh, But I think that if we really focus on thinking about the user and not the keyword, but specifically what they want that keyword for, like why are they using that keyword? What exactly are they searching for when they type in that keyword into Google? And then you write content around that, you're going to naturally fit and Google now is sophisticated enough with machine learning and all those things that we we hear about, like natural language processing, to understand context and understand the, the meaning behind a, 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 a certain keyword, at least the variations and all those things that we we you know we look into, like semantic SEO and all that, that it's it's going to naturally happen. It's not going to be forced. Do you want to optimize it a little bit? Sure. We can add maybe one in a title, we can add, you know, whatever. I honestly think that this, this is more of a, we can, you know, we can do tests. There's a lot of split testing done in SEO nowadays, which is great. It's just the same thing as CRO, right? If we do a piece of content that adds a few keywords here and there, do we you know rank better? But I often find that if you focus, the more you focus on the user, the greater you're going to do and the, the higher you're going to rank. And, and my last, my last point, um, it's something that a lot of people do in the SEO business especially in agencies and with working with clients is they focus on keywords and keyword rankings and I, I don't mind that I think it's important but at the same time we keep underst- we have to for- understand or we, we keep forgetting that it's about visibility It's how visible are you on the search engines A lot of people say oh I want to rank for best personal injury attorney Ottawa right. But there are so many variations, there's so many other keywords that we can go after. But they say, Oh, yeah, but the search volume for that is like 2,000 searches. Well, the thing is, if we, if we focus on a piece of content on just that one keyword, we can we ignore the one, the, the other 10, 20, 50, 100 maybe like a very long piece of great comprehensive content can actually be ranking for 200 keywords mm-hmm. that we and so we're focusing on one. And, and sometimes they come to me and say, Michelle. I lost like rankings on that one keyword. Yeah. But look, you've gained about, you know, four times more traffic because of all the other keywords that are related. And so it's it's kind of like tunnel vision. And I, I that's why I kind of don't I don't look at SEO as SEO in the way that we used to. I really look at it as as growth, growth and visibility, growth and traffic growth and also conversions because that's really the the ultimate the ultimate reason why clients hire SEos is it's not just to get more traffic it's to get more leads to get more sales to get you know more more downloads whatever
0: yeah yeah great insights. and uh, I mentioned about keywords uh, because uh big representatives uh, share that uh, keyword research will be obsolete in 2021 <laughs> and uh, Google uh, John uh, Muller replied, Uh, To this, that we always have the room for uh, keyword research. And uh, I completely agree that keyword research is more to create your strategy uh, and Mm -hmm. uh, to find the way to analyze the volume uh, and uh, what kind of traffic you can get, uh, how you can monetize this traffic and something like this. Yeah, it's more like learning more. Okay, uh, tell me more about uh, users intent. How to learn it? For example, if I type any keyword in Google, I can uh, find, for example, Wikipedia article, uh, Amazon uh, e-commerce page, and uh, it might confuse what uh, people want to get. How to learn it?
1: So very often when we have a search intent that is a little bit confusing, it's really mm-hmm. p- telling us that Google is probably not sure. Right. So yeah. if you type in a keyword and you get uh, Wikipedia, and you get for I, I, for example, the vast majority of my clients in my in my uh, in my career has been plastic surgeons. Uh, so I worked with a lot of plastic surgeons, a lot of doctors. And if you type in a particular keyword on a particular medical problem, you might get, you know, WebMD, you might get Healthline, you might get all we know, Wikipedia. And of course, you might get plastic surgeons and all these doctors. That tells me that the search intent is still unclear from Google's perspective. So now you want to do is you want to look at, you want to drill down a little bit more to see, you know, maybe there's a variation of that that keyword, or maybe it's a longer, you know, we call it long tail keyword, but I like, to, I like to look at it as uh, questions that people ask. You know, there's a, a very f- simple uh, tip that I gotten many years ago. He said, SEO really boils down to this. Find out the questions that people are asking and just answer them. And I love that because it's really coming down to that. When you look at a keyword, it's just maybe two or three words. You might have like an unclear search intent. But if you have a question, the question puts that one, two, or three word, keyword in a proper context. If I say, for example, I look up, you know, jaguar. So jaguar, there is the animal, and then there's the car. So which one is it? So if I just type it in, Google might might serve me. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it knows. I don't know. It might serve me a whole bunch of different results. But I say, for example, uh. <laughs> Oh actually this is a, it's kind of interesting i say how fast does a jaguar run versus mm-hmm. how fast can a jaguar drive or how can how fast can a uh, jaguar go you know those are two different questions for the same key, you know keyword jaguar but now we know that one is for the animal and the other one is for the car so my point is very very often when we type in a keyword we look at uh, the questions that people ask people also ask is a is a fountain of great information for keyword research because now we can see the kinds of questions that people ask around that keyword, and you'll see that maybe some questions are not necessarily related to your to your topic. Some of them are, so you choose the ones that are related to your topic, and then, and then you just go after that, and then create more content around that that serves that audience more specifically. Um, that's one one thing. And the second thing, and it's it's really important, is understanding the, the, uh, the intent behind the search from the, the buyer's perspective, or at least the user's perspective. There's a, uh, there's an, um, an acronym that I use a lot when I teach about this. It's called oath. How prepared is your market to take an oath? Are they O A T H? Are they oblivious? Meaning they don't know. They don't know about the problem, much less the solution. Are they apathetic? So they know about the problem, but they really don't care. They're just, you know, maybe looking for just information. Are they thinking about it? Maybe they're looking at different ways to solve that problem. And then are they hurting? Now they're at the, you know, that's the lowest hanging fruit. They want to buy now. Now they're looking at reviews or they're looking at maybe uh, the best way to get their problem solved by whoever. So I I try to look at it this way. Where are the people in in that, you know, that ladder? And you can see if you take uh, the top people at the top, now you know that you still have to kind of bring them down to the end and it might be a longer process. Sometimes if you have a very, you know, like a very commoditized product, it'll probably be easy. But if you have a like a service, a professional server, maybe a SaaS software, that might take a little bit more of an education. It might take more of a drip campaign. So that defines your strategy. When you find those keywords, the questions people ask, those questions will help define where in that process they are. It's like, for example, what is uh, what is a Jaguar as opposed to what is who is the best Jaguar dealer in Ottawa? Now you got like that the different search intent right there defined just by the types of questions people ask.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. Great insights. Uh, you mentioned about uh, uh, web MD. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, WebMD uh, website about health. Oh yes, the uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And um, um, uh, how to compete with such websites? For example, uh, you told uh, that you have uh, a lot of plastic uh, mm-hmm. uh, surgeries, yeah, uh, from your cl- client base. And uh, how uh, websites that have uh, no such budgets, uh, like
1: uh, WebMD, how to compete them, overcome in the top ten? Well, well, WebMD, especially if you look at WebMD and a lot of these sites, are going to be catering to primarily the top of the funnel, right? They're information mm-hmm. people are looking for information. They're like Wikipedia, uh, uh, they devour Wikipedia. I-, I love Wikipedia for that reason. Uh, I have ADHD. so when I go into Wikipedia, it's like a rabbit hole that I'd never get out of. Um, but but for plastic surgeons, I say, look, once they are at that level, you're competing with them, we can still serve them with content but you'll probably have a hard time. It'll probably take a long time. It'll maybe uh, a a long process. The better way is to look at, well, once they do that, once they've actually found the WebMDs and the health lines and all those informational, what's the next step after that? Where are they in their buying process? Maybe they're looking at maybe photos of of, plastic surgery. Maybe they're looking at before and afters. Maybe they're looking at Who, uh, what type of doctors do what, what, what are the credentials needed to do plastic surgery? Those are things that are not necessarily answered by the Wikipedias. They may be, but they're not necessarily defined. They're more, like I said, informational where you're looking after more commercial investigation, maybe more, uh, people who drill down further into the funnel. And those are the kinds of questions that you might want to look at answering with your content so that you're going kind of like the you know, from the bottom up rather than the top to the bottom. And eventually you'll reach the top, but that's not your, your goal. Uh, Very often when I deal with a plastic surgeon who has a lot of content, I kind of look at where it's, if they have a lot of the content on their website, that's ranking already, where are they ranking and who's their competitors? If they're ranking or they're in a, in a very highly competitive market, especially if you have very strong uh, uh, competitors like Wikipedia and all that, that's a t- that's a tough game. So if I just change the, the way people kind of answer, you know, the questions that they ask, or the maybe the content, the way it's going after that particular market, maybe it's, be, it's better to go after maybe the further down the mark the funnel, or I have a, a larger piece of content. Sometimes I take two or three pieces of content, I just merge them together in one piece of content that makes that more, that search intent more defined. Um, I, I think it was uh, one time I asked this I actually uh, from uh, uh, on Twitter. Uh, Kevin Indig said, what you know keyword cannibalization. What happens if I have multiple pieces of content with the same keyword? He says it really doesn't matter if the two are different search intents because if you have the same keyword for two pieces of content but one goes after one search intent, the other one is another, that's fine. They're not really cannibalizing because they're actually going after two different search intents, even though they're two of the same keywords. Um, and if you have one that's actually going after this very competitive high, you know, hard to crack market, maybe you should focus on the one that's going a little bit further. So that's what I do. And I, when I, when I do like, let's say a a content audit on a a plastic surgeon site, I'll look at the piece of content that looks at that other search intent, the further down search intent, and I'll optimize that and focus on that. The rest will, you know, fix by itself. But I, I can also create content relationships with proper internal linking that will actually create more more signals to the one that I really want to drive in the in the search engines. Yeah, you know why
0: I like YouTube, <laughs> because uh, on YouTube, uh, we have you no know, cannibalization, you know, you can create uh, the same videos many times, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you don't rank the first time, you can do it the second, the third, you know, even to rank a few videos in the top 10 results. <laughs> but yeah, with Google, it's important about cannibalization. Okay. Okay. Um, uh tell me about you know uh from your copywriting experience um, i read a, a book from uh, joe sugarman i don't remember the title yes. of this book yeah yes. he he's a great offer and uh, he uh, shares uh, insights that you need to keep uh, uh, readers longer you know uh, if they read the whole content that means you can sell a lot more uh, in most cases 80% of users uh, leave websites for a few seconds you know yeah mm-hmm. they just open and leave it because how to uh, retain their attention uh, and uh, i don't know to force them
1: to consume the whole content well, um, it really depends on who lands on your website. I think that a lot of times people look at uh, bounce rates and they and they think it's a bad thing. But uh, if you're if you look at it from a copywriter's perspective, mm-hmm. people who leave is basically people who are not really qualified for your offer, especially if you're if you're a headline and the way that you that you define the above the fold, the what the intent of the content is. If people keep on reading, that means they're, they're they're perfectly well qualified. If they leave, that means they were not qualified. I think there was uh, um, another copywriter who said that um, the drop off happens a lot at the beginning, and it doesn't happen until at the end or at least further down. That uh, is a great indicator that the content itself is doing, or you know, copy, sales copy, whatever the case is, is doing a great job, because the bounce rate at the top is basically people are not uh, positioned for that or they're not qualified for that. Now, that being said, to answer your question, how to keep people uh, engaged or retained, I think it's because a lot of people tend to look, they look at the whole piece, right? They look at this whole piece of content and they think that this has, it's like one job and it's, and it's not the right way to look at it. The, the, your job, the first job is to focus at the top. Once that's, done once you get people interested at least curious enough to to find out more then you go to the next paragraph the next paragraph's job is to get them to the next paragraph the next paragraph's job is, is it's really that's kind of what you know my, uh, one of my old friends gary halbert called the, the 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 grease shoot the grease the grease slide you want people to get on the grease slide so to speak you don't want them to get confused or asking questions along the way so it's in the same way you know, even content nowadays, we have a lot of great content, but the, the ideas are all over the place. If you structure your content properly, especially if you have well-defined, you know, let's say now passages with passages ranking, it's important, but also defined with proper headers and maybe a table of contents at the top that, you know, get can give people exactly what they want. But at the same time, they 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 will read it as if, you know, the whole process as if they're going from one step to the next, you know, the next step to the next step. Your job is is much easier that way. Um, very very often, when I when I used to be a copywriter and I used to do critiques for uh, sales copy, the biggest error that I ever found was uh, that f- ideas were all disjointed. And and um, I I kind of look at another formula that I can I I I used to call Quest. I use that a lot in in how I teach uh, copywriting, and Quest means Q U E S T. Qualify understand educate stimulate and then transition and what that means is you qualify the reader so that when they hit the site they have to be qualified and the and the content has to kind of qualify them usually the headline then you understand meaning that you you get them to understand the the problem that they're they're having or at least the problem you understand their problem And then you educate them on the solution or you give them, you know, the goods and then you stimulate them on buying the good or whatever the solution that you're offering. And then finally you transition them, which is the the call to action, the closing. I call it transition because I prefer to say you're transitioning them from a reader to a buyer. Um, And, and because closing is never really, you know, you're never really closing. It's usually the beginning Mm -hmm. of a relationship. Right. And I think it applies really well to SEO too, because if you think about it, when people land on a long piece of content very often well you know google for example will try to rank based on or will actually get people to jump on specific sections of your 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 letter especially if it's long and comprehensive but if you're going after a market that's really uh, intent on solving a particular problem and your content does that then focus, you know, there's, I, I like to use the word quest. It's just a variation of ADA, right? Attention, interest, desire, and action. It's the same idea. Get their attention, increase their interest, m- you know, move, improve their desire, and then take, get them to take action. It's the same idea in SEO as it is in 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 copywriting, as it is in any kind of, even video, uh, video marketing. Um, there's a lot of uh, great video marketers out there, content creators that, uh, you know, they say f- the first 15 seconds grab their attention. Well, that's no different than the yeah. headline. So, and, and then once you get that, uh, that, 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 you know, that process into that funnel, into that grease slide, it becomes a lot easier.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, bounce rate might confuse more <laughs> because if people open your content and get everything, what they need. They leave it and nothing is wrong with that because Google analyzes dwell time. uh, If people uh, come back uh, uh, to search engines uh, to find another website, uh, yeah, um, it's... uh,
1: But that's why GA4 doesn't look at bounce rate. It looks at engagement. Yes. It's better to to look at engagement metrics than it is to look at bounce rate because, like you said, if I go into the page and i read the whole thing and i take you know maybe you know 20 minutes to read the whole article and i leave i'm satisfied i'm happy but does it mean that my pay, you know i didn't do well and i know that a lot of people say well bounce you can also some people will say oh bounce rates are are qualif- are based on if they stayed more than i think 30 seconds or something like that if they le- or if they leave before 30 k- seconds it, that's fine i you know i don't look at bounce rate as a bad metric i look at engagement as a better metric dwell time Um, I, I look at also once you get them involved in your article and if you're satisfying that 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 intent, if it's informational, that's great because now they've gotten their information. But if it's anything else, like, for example, if they're actually making a decision on whether they want to go ahead with the process or the solution, product, service, whatever it is. And, and whether that you are as a provider of that pr- so solution if you're the proper one or the best one for their s- situation that means that you kind of have to take them through the rest of the you know the, the the rest of your website through the the rest of your content maybe that's better internal linking better calls to action you know it's it's kind of cro right and mm-hmm. and that's what I mean about early when I said that SEO nowadays is kind of like it's no longer SEO. It's really a combination of, you know, SEO, UX and CRO and, and all those things match together because it really does look at the whole process, the the beginning process to the end, the, the, the conception of the content to taking action. It's, it's really uh, a much better metric for me, from, from a content marketer, from a growth marketer uh, to look at my client's Holistically, rather than just Mm -hmm. like, how do you rank for one keyword on one particular page on your website? It's no longer as important as it used to be. It's now how many pages, how many keywords, how many, and, and what's the journey when people land on your site and then take action?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, tell me how, uh, you know, uh, we discussed about it, uh, expertise, mm-hmm. authority, trust. How to measure this parameter because we have no such metrics to analyze them. For example, if you want to rank some keywords and can find uh, uh, authoritative websites like uh, WebMD uh, that ranks with uh, poor content, not good, you know, but that's okay. You know, uh, mm-hmm. they have authority, people trust this website. How to measure your it? So, how do you measure
1: uh, the taste of apple pie? <laughs> you can't. Everybody's different, uh, and the reason why I say that is because uh, a lot of people try to say I have to measure for eat, uh, or eat is just you know adding a bio at the end of an article, and and I think that's so misleading. Um, it, there, there's like I said, the holistic picture of SEO, looking at the site as a whole, the content. Do you feel that the content A, meets the needs of the searcher? Does it make the searcher feel comfortable in taking action on that particular content? Or do they feel that the content is trustworthy? Is it really uh, uh, factual? Is it authentic? Is it uh, uh, reliable? And you know, those things, there are so many ways to do that, but there's no one way to measure. I mean. I can, I can, I can link to an about page and have all the credentials in the world. Like I have a, I have some plastic surgeons where they, they show all of these, you know, uh, uh, medical journal articles that they've written peer reviewed journals and peer reviewed articles. I mean, um, I also have, you know, a lot of doctors who don't, but they have a lot of before and after pictures. They have so many patients with a lot of before and after pictures. So, you know, one has a lot of expertise but the other one has a lot of testimony like so there it's different. My point is there's no one way to measure as long as you look at it this way. When you look at your piece of content, if you were your market, and sometimes it's really hard to do because they you know a very famous de- marketer by the name of Dan Kennedy who's a copywriter, he says the worst mistake we do is that we think we are our market. We are never our own market. Uh sometimes it takes you know some testing. Maybe sometimes it takes getting out of our, our you know, b- from behind the business and look at it from the, you know, from the outside, like a user, like a, a prospect uh, or a person who's looking at uh, your content from coming from the search engine. When they land on your piece of content, what what makes them feel like this is expertise, it's authoritative, and it's also trustworthy? Well, those are things that might be, you know, there's a variety of ways. Uh I have all uh clients who have, let's say, for example, awards. They won awards, like a plastic surgeon who have been mentioned in magazines as the best plastic surgeon in New York or Toronto or or you know, uh Paris. And and or you've got other ones that have been lecturers at universities and they're very well respected in their community as a plastic surgeon. Then you've got other ones that have uh, you know, they've they've actually created new methods. They've created these new technologies or these new ways of doing plastic surgery, like a new way of of doing I don't know skin, doing stuff, or maybe they were part of a, a research process that invented this new machine, laser machine that helped to reduce wrinkles. There's so many ways to look at and express EAT that it's no, there's no one way to 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 you know quantify sometimes it's just qualitative not quantitative mm-hmm. so to so to answer your question is i look at it from the perspective of the reader if i line on a if i look at a piece of content and i look at it and it and i sometimes it's easy for me because i'm not a plastic surgeon but i look at it and i say hmm so what you know what exactly would i be looking for or what would make me feel a little bit better about in, you know, in, uh, buying from this doctor, or maybe at least believing what they're saying. Um, and also, you know, what other research would I do outside the website? Would I look at other like medical websites? There's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, you know, medical doctor directories with reviews that are separate, you know, top, you know, top for example, is a very popular one in the UK, or .co.uk. Um And then there's, you know, tons of ways that you can do research to find more about a doctor and their backgrounds. And a lot of the, you know, sometimes they'll say, you know, bad plastic surgeons, people are actually looking at, you know, who, are, who is actually the worst in plastic surgeons. And sometimes people say, I would rather have a doctor who knows what the air is doing. And other people say, i rather have a doctor who's artistic. They're they, the, the work that they do is very beautiful. It's natural. It's beauty. It's aesthetic. Well, Different people have different ways of looking at EAT. So how do you measure that? You don't. Look at it from the perspective of a reader. What would they be interested in and in looking for when they land on your site? And what would be helpful to them? What the, What would the content help them do? It, whether it's make a decision, whether it's to make them feel comfortable about going ahead with maybe a particular type of procedure, regardless of whoever they go with. And, and that's really what you aim for in EAT is... All those signals, all those little things. You know, are they a member of the Better Business Bureau? Are they? Do they have a, a one awards? Are there links to external websites that have reviews? All those things, and maybe even schema code, maybe a bio. All all of that is important, and none of that is important. <laughs> if you yeah. understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah, it's, of course. So, so that's how I would do it. I will look at it from the from the user's perspective. And what would be important to the user is what would make a uh, how how you would measure EAT.
0: Yeah, yeah, valuable valuable. I like this insight. Okay, uh tell me um for example, uh, uh, if you have a new client uh, uh who uh, are going to launch a new website about uh, plastic surgery, mm-hmm. uh <laughs> let's take this uh, keyword. Uh I'm not sure it's a good idea to try to rank this keyword because many uh I don't know many big websites, popular websites, including uh, WebMD and many others, Health.com uh, probably rank uh, to this keyword. How mm-hmm. to find the
1: right strategy for a new website? So, if a plastic surgeon has a brand new website that he you know, like, they, they don't have a website; they had never had a website before. Um, well, there's there's. You know, like I said, the funnel where you understand people are at the educational level. Some people are at the thinking; they're actually looking for different types of solutions. And who is the best person to deliver that solution? And you could probably create base content that serves all of those elements in the funnel. I, you know, uh, you know, you're the, the the content around the procedures, content around the doctor, content about who would be the perfect candidate for for that particular procedure. Now, that's one way of starting. But to get to a certain level where you're actually ranking better, sometimes, for example, I, there's two ways. One is to look at what's ranking well and look at what the gaps are. Sometimes it's just doing a gap analysis. Other doctors who are probably uh, your competitors online, they're probably keywords that that they are not ranking for that you could easily rank for if you go after. Sometimes there's content that they're actually ranking for, but low, they're not necessarily ranking high. And it's going to be so easy for you to do a better piece of content and then rank higher than them. And then there's also the third, which is looking at different ways to approach topics, sometimes in a very unique way. Um, I have found, for example, a doctor who has, you know, maybe there's a plastic surgeon that does everything like every other plastic surgeon out there. But sometimes we can package or 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 communicate information in a way that's unique. Maybe they have a different approach. Maybe they have a different uh way to I don't know, uh the procedure itself. Maybe they have uh, here's a great example. A hair transplant surgeon, as you know, a hair transplant is taking hair from the back into the, and put it there for a man's mm-hmm, bald yeah. like myself. <laughs> um and and because that's the hair in the back is permanent. Well, uh, a lot of people in the hair transplant business will call it a micrograft because the old way of doing it was like the you know the pluggy technique which is like 20 years ago 30 years ago. Now the micrograft is like these tiny little grafts they're tinier they're called micrografts. Every doctor in the world says micrograft. And if I were to create a piece of content on micrografting um, uh, it would be like you know competing with everybody else. So what we decided to do is we decided to reposition a doctor by calling it the the follicular transplant or the microfollicular redistribution process you know and 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 we would create content around follicles and hair follicles and follicular transplantation and also we would talk about micrografting but we would also put it in context of this new stuff that would be more uh uh you know sometimes people ask for like what makes a hair transplant natural or what is the best transplant in the world then you can create content around a whole new set of keywords, sometimes keywords that people are looking for, but they're not necessarily directly searched for that will easily rank you higher. But now it's also supporting all of, all the other keywords, all the other pieces of content on the, on the entire site. And so you can literally grow traffic and and exposure on a, an entire new, on, on the same type of surgery or type, same type of procedure product or service, no matter if you're a plastic surgeon or not, Um, but you're looking at it from a more innovative and unique way. So uh, besides gap analysis, that would be the other step. I would actually look at the doctor and say, what kind of content, piece of content we can create that answers people's questions, but in a unique way and a better way, Uh, sometimes in a way that people are not necessarily uh, searching for, but are not necessarily searching for. They are, but not in in a direct way, but that would actually solve all of their questions, answer all of their, their issues and their pain points, and doing it you know, better and sometimes differently than everybody else on the market, th- that's kind of, you know, it probably increase your, your 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 traffic many times over faster, not necessarily overnight, but faster than if you were to do, do regular content on plastic surgery and, and try to compete with every other doctor out there.
0: Yeah, got it. Do you use specific tools uh, to find these uh, gaps or uh, manually mm-hmm. check out on uh, what we have?
1: Yeah, I, I, I use, uh, of course I use SEMrush. I use, uh, Ahrefs. Um, there's also just very easily found tools. I mean, for example, uh, for the longest time they were actually, uh, um, down because I think they were actually mm-hmm. re- repurposing their, or re- retooling their engine, but also ask.com is, uh, I think it was a tool, uh, that was, uh, available last year. And then they, they you know, they, they actually, uh, they, they they put it down in order to fix it or whatever the case was or to improve it. But now it just came back out just recently. And it's one of my favorite tools because I now I I was kind of using that and mm-hmm. then I had to go to answer the public. But those are the type of things that I like to look at is what kind of questions do people ask? And and the questions in themselves are are specific. And sometimes the answer might be not directly tied to it, but it would answer it. And that's where you create content that answers that question so that. You can optimize your content in a way that focuses on that question, but now the way you're answering it is different than all the other doctors or all the other you know, uh, competitors out there. Um, and in a gap analysis, very, very often when you do a gap analysis, I often use, for example, SEMrush, uh, where I would enter uh, a client's website, or uh, um, if there is a, a, a big competitor, I'll, I'll use them. But if they have a website already i'll put them and i'll compare them to a lot of the search competitors and then i'll see what other keywords that they are not ranking for uh my my client uh that others are or what keywords are competitors ranking for better than than my client or what keywords that my client is ranking for that competitors not? That means that maybe it's not the right keywords. Maybe we just need to modify and twist and change a little, thing, a few things in order to go after the right market. And sometimes that might be similar than you know than the keywords, or maybe just a different way of expressing those keywords on the content. Um, again, I I hate to use the word keywords because sometimes when you just write content around. A specific uh topic and looking at how to cover that topic in a holistic sense, those keywords will fall naturally. It's you know, it's like I said, it's, it's semantic SEO to a degree, but that's technical. There's also just making sure that people get their questions answered. So to me, getting at, you know, finding questions that people ask and answering those questions is probably the number one way to do SEO. It's really the ultimate way to do SEO.
0: Okay, yeah, great insights. Okay, uh, the last question. Uh yes. Tell uh, our audience how they can find you, learn about you, reach out to you the best way.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I am director of search at SEO Plus Canada, which is a, a full service digital marketing agency in Ottawa, Canada. Um, although we have, you know, uh, uh, offices worldwide uh, and we also have clients worldwide. Um, we have uh, just, you know, not too long ago, signed up a, a, a um, um Multiple clinics in the in Australia, just to give you an example. Although that's, mm-hmm. you know, we we when we talk with our clients, sometimes we have to talk it to them at late, late, late at night because it's morning for them. Anyways, uh, so if you go to SEO plus uh SEO plus that's our website. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have my own personal website, of course, at Michellefortin.com or Michaelfortin.com. Either way, it'll go to me. Uh, but you can also find me on LinkedIn and you can also, you know, easily find me on Twitter by my my name, Michelle Fortin. So uh yeah, that's it.
0: Thank you. Okay, guys, you can find all these links uh, in the description below. I'll submit them. Uh, listen uh, this episode on uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you like more. Uh, you can find uh, some insights on LinkedIn. And see you next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use.